Welcome to Accounting Insider. I'm Andrew Montesi with Kim Nitschke. And Kim, we're talking about uh, one of your favorite types of clients, and that is doctors. Uh, you work with a lot of doctors, and they seem to have some extraordinary benefits when it comes to accounting and tax and their ability to build wealth. But from what you were saying before we hit record, they don't always understand what they've got. So we're going to talk about that today. And maybe can you just start by, give us a feel for the pay rate that doctors earn and the scale as they progress through their career. Okay. Is it, yeah, so the, the crux of this podcast is really just to outline the unfair advantage that they've really got. <laughs> and I, I love doctors and I can add so much value to their business and I love working with them because they are um, the sort of people that take on board advice and because they're usually earning so much money, the ramifications of what they do, they see come back tenfold on, mm. on um, do, uh, changing from what they've always done. So the results are there and, and you can offer advice to them in so many areas like um, in the tax and financial accounting side of things and then also in the home loans and the financial planning. But it all gets back and it all starts, the fundamental core of our business is accounting and we will always it will always be like that. Um, just running through some numbers, I've done a little bit of research on what you're likely to earn when you qualify and just mapping through their through their career on what the numbers look like. So mm. for any doctors out there who might be at the beginning of the journey or halfway through the journey, they, they can just sort of um, benchmark themselves against mm. these sorts of numbers. So interns, when they come out after their six years of med school, they're on roughly 50 grand a year. Now, these numbers are the base numbers. When they're doing overtime and things like that at the hospitals, they can stack on a lot of time, a lot of um, extra earnings on top mm. of these numbers. Um, your RMOs are on about $75,000 a year, registered medical officers. And then the registrars are about $100,000 a year. Now, for the people out there who aren't in the medical fraternity, the, the registrars are the people that you see when you go to the emergency department mm. and they're looking after your patients ordering the doctors or the junior doctors around and the nurses but they're, the, they're generally the people that are um, making the calls on on what to do then a graduate from a specialist college so your fellow for your royal australian college of general practitioners they're on about 120 grand so they're all doing pretty well mm. and then from there um i don't know if you want to perhaps give us an idea about the next step beyond that, the guys who are running their own surgery, um, the sort of earnings that they would start to make. Okay, so on average, most doctors after five years, if they're in a position where they can, they'll go out in their own private practice. So a Metro GP owner will earn about 275000 to five hundred, And then once... That, that's when we can really start getting some traction. But usually a lot of doctors then are specialising in surgery, orthopaedics, ophthalmology, those sorts of fields. When they get to that stage, that's when you see them starting to crack the bar of a million dollars a year. Which, wow. And then it starts to, and depending on their specialty and their, their, their list of customers, it'll go from low mills to 
to two mil. So I'm now starting to understand why grandma was always saying, be a doctor, be a doctor, <laughs> exactly. be a doctor. And she's like, no, nah, I wouldn't want to do that. But now I'm starting to think, yeah, maybe I should apply for medical school. Is it, is it's it never too late? too late to no. go back. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's perhaps talk about some of the benefits, particularly around loans. What about things like personal loans and car loans, that sort of personal stuff? Okay. So the, the major benefit that they get is they get this amazing level of trust with any lender from the day they start working which is you don't see that with any other profession and i think the banks have got their heads together and worked out that the default rate on doctors is almost non-existent they know that whatever they lend to a doctor they're going to you know 99.9 times out of 100 get that money back Mm. the big issue with banks that you see is that a lot of other professions there'll be people who default and stuff it up for everyone. Whereas the, you don't see that in the, in, in, in the um, medical sector. So we've got lenders who we work alongside of who once a doctor has got one pay slip can basically borrow up to $180,000 for a car. So you've got, you could, your junior doctors. So, sorry, off one pay slip. That's all you need. One pay slip, <laughs> as soon as you qualified, send it to, your accountant, ask them to send it to um, the specialist lenders for medical practitioners and see what sort of response you get. You'll be astounded at the results. That's unreal. And what about things like personal loans? Oh, so personal loans are a similar sort of kettle of fish. Uh, any doctor can walk into a bank and say, I want to defer my payments for six months. And the bank will say, Okay, no problems at all. We'll just put those payments on hold. You know, because they might be going overseas. They might just want to save up a bit of extra cash. Or so the the banks will bend the rules for these guys. I'm not saying they won't charge interest, but they are flexible with when they get their money back. They've clearly identified that doctors are the number one client for them, and they will do whatever they can to attract them. Yes, exactly right. Okay. What about things like home loans? Are there any benefits there? Home loans, again, everyone else gets 80% of the value of their house. That's the benchmark. Anything above that, you're going to be paying lenders mortgage insurance or a higher interest rate. Doctors are exempt from that. They can go to 90. Now, there's no... (laughs) It's ridiculous because all through this podcast when we talk about getting finance, there's hoops, Mm. many hoops you've got to jump through and... It's just completely different for doctors. I, I, I'm blown away. Every time I put up a loan for a doctor, it's like, this will never get up. You know, this person has only been out on their own. I did one recently for a dentist. Um, they didn't need to have completed the tax return for the year that they were operating in. Just a couple of bank statements showing what had been banked into their account. And the lender said, when do they need the money? How much do they need? It was just phenomenal. And you're thinking, you know, this is just unbelievably good for doctors. You just cannot emphasise it enough. Yeah, so I think I'll cut you off, but perhaps come back, outline the benefits for home loans again. So it was yeah, so lend, lender's mortgage insurance and... Um, no, no lender's mortgage sorry, insurance no lenders, over yeah. 90%. Or sorry, most people, are, it, it kicks in at 80%. Yeah. Above that, you've got to take out the insurance because the lenders start to get a bit nervous. Yep. Whereas with doctors, it's exempt. They can borrow up to 90% on residential. Um, no questions asked. Still... Amazing rates. And is this across the board with lenders or is this just there's certain well, types who will uh, give this well, Everyone's favour? Everyone's getting on, the, on board. It okay. started out with your specialist lenders like your Medfins and your NAB 
health. But now Westpac's on the bandwagon and so is ANZ. Yeah, so you'd want to go to a broker and get them to do oh, yeah. some work here. Absolutely. And with, with the whole broking industry, it is so it, it is moving around so quickly. There's, there's new deals coming across our desk every day. You can't expect to be able to walk into any old bank and just get a good deal on the day because there might be someone around the corner that's um, a smaller player in the market who's got a much better deal and it may be much better suited to you. What about the doctors who are running a private practice? What type of benefits do they get? Well, again, these numbers are just amazing. They can borrow, unlike most people, let's start with most people, they get on commercial properties and businesses, they'll get 70% lent to them by the bank and they've got to cough up the 30%, which you know, usually will end up being a, um, a case of taking out an extra mortgage on their house or increasing their home loan. Doctors they can have 100% against the business and against the premises. And I was speaking to my relationship manager at ANZ the other day and he, he said, oh, I said, how much would you lend for a practice for a doctor and for their um, premises? He said, oh, we, you know, we'll go up to 100% on two mil. You know, as if a $2 million as property for them is just nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and what about, um, what about hospitals? Okay, so the hospitals are where they're generally recognised as the starting point for the doctors. So they're renowned in the industry as being the training facility, the training provider. Mm -hmm. So the universities start them off, but actually getting out in the field, the hospitals are responsible for a lot of the education of the doctors. Now, the government's cottoned onto that and they want to give incentives for doctors to spend as long as they possibly can working in those hospitals. So they've got a surplus of doctors on on call. So they've introduced a number of benefits to make it more attractive for doctors to work at the hospitals because what you had going back some time was doctors realised they could make more working privately for themselves yeah. and they discounted the work that they did at the hospitals because it was lower paid. So there's you see all these benefits coming now which are justifying the doctors spending more time at the hospitals. The first one is the FBT benefit. So the French benefits tax uh, the, the, working for a hospital, they can take $17,000 a year as a fringe benefits tax. Now, breaking that down into um, layman's terms for people like you and me is that that means that they can have $17,000 a year paid off their mortgage or paid off their credit card or off their personal loan, which would n normally be non-deductible, but it, it's a benefit that the hospital is allowing the doctor to take as an incentive for them to work there. Yep. And so you mentioned other all these incentives. So there's education allowances and yes. all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is a really good one as well. The doctors will be entitled to $10,000 a year. That's ballpark figure when they're working for a hospital um, as a like education allowance facility uh, and that's to take on overseas travel to conferences, in inverted commas, <laughs> and also to spend on updating their um, computers, phones, whatever they class as IT, mm. the, the broad the, the, um, definition uh, of, of education is very broad. And it's usually you see the, the, um, the blood sort of, organizations coming in and, 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 and doing that as a, uh, a benefit for the doctors for them to push more work their way. So 
you've, you've got these massive companies who really rely on the doctors to refer them work. So in return, they're, they're giving um, education incentives to the doctors okay. every year who are, who are working with the hospitals. Now, I know another aspect that you absolutely love is the benefits that doctors get with superannuation. Can you tell us about that? Well, this is amazing again. Like, why should they have it different from everyone else? But they have, so why not take advantage of it? (laughs) Most people could put $35,000 into superannuation. Doctors, when they put their money into a constitutionally protected fund and they qualify for that when they're working for hospitals, they can put an unlimited amount into super every year. Wow. It's just phenomenal. And what what happens is um, I've got a number of doctor friends who I socialise with and they're often on call for hospitals and without even having to go in there um, earning really good money um, upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, just for being on call for the hospital should they need need to be dragged in the middle of the night to do some emergency procedure what my advice to those guys is that this money that you're getting paid for doing that sort of work which is just a bonus over and above what they're already earning why don't you seriously consider putting a lion's portion of that into superannuation you hardly notice it coming out of your pay in most circumstances because all their costs are already serviced by what they're Mm. earning through either uh, the hospitals or through their private practices Uh, why don't you take some of this money that you're getting as um, your on-call money and put that straight into superannuation so that it goes in there you get tax advantages of it going in tax goes in at 15 percent but if you're earning um, what these doctors are, it's been recently ramped up to 30%, which is still much lower than your, your top tax rate of 48 cents in the dollar. So put that in there and then that just builds up over time and when they get to retirement, that superannuation pool can be worth millions and millions of dollars. Wow. And what about, I mean, we spoke in the last episode about trusts. Mm. How can doctors utilise trusts? So this is really for the guys who are in private practice, but I see it time and time again where they come to me and they are operating as sole traders because their Medicare number is in their their own name. What you can actually do is you can bundle up all the staff that are working for you in your business and take all of their wages, their work, cover their superannuation, the rent that you're paying in the building, the electricity costs, everything associated with operating that practice and then you can mark it up and 30% is generally the benchmark on the, on the markup rate. And then that service entity can charge a fee to the doctor for providing those back office services. So what you've got is you're shifting um, profit away from landing on the tax return of the doctor into his service trust or his family trust. Now, this is great for tax planning and asset protection. Mm. Um, and it can, it can be the difference between a massive tax bill for the doctor or a lower tax bill for the doctor and then a um, overall lower marginal tax rate because he's able to split income off to his wife or his kids who are over 18 or, or a, a sump company which um, would pay 30 cents in the dollar tax. In your experience, are doctors aware of all of these benefits that we've been talking about? This is the thing that <laughs> I'm staggered by. No, they're not. And you need to really specialise in this area area to understand exactly all of these opportunities that they've got. And if they've got just a Joe Blow down the road who does accounting for come one and all, mm. then they're not going to be across all this because it's it's new ground that 
that, that they have to get up to speed on. They haven't got time to do all the research. Yeah. So really, um, you've got to specialise in this field to be aware of them all mm. and how best to take advantage of every opportunity. I would assume that you know, a lot of these high net worth types, doctors in particular, very time poor, mm. highly specialised in what mm. they do. I can imagine that sometimes all of this stuff around their wealth might take a bit of a back seat. Is that the case? That is exactly the, the case. That's why it makes such a great partnership to have an accountant right alongside of the doctor mm. because you can. they're usually so busy doing what they're doing. They run off their feet. They're trying to maintain a homework life balance. And these guys are up all night getting called into hospitals, doing emergency procedures. They haven't often got time to sit down and actually see the forest for the trees. Mm. They need someone on the sidelines giving them advice saying, look, run all these major decisions by your most trusted advisor. Don't just try to make them by yourself ad hoc in the car on a mobile phone, <laughs> you know, just so that you can tick that box because it might not always be the right decision that mm. you're coming up with. You've really got to see the big picture and get a second opinion. Mm. So if there's a doctor listening to this and they're thinking – gee, I'm actually not across this at all or they might be at an early stage in their career and wanting to get a nice plan in place. What's the next step for them? Well, speak to their accountant about it. Raise some of the things that we've discussed today. If you're not having any joy, go to the website. It's accountinginsider.net. Yep. Send us an email and outline in the email what stage you're at. Where Just give us a summary of what, um, situation you're in and what the issue that you potentially see might be and then we can come back and give you feedback on that awesome well another fascinating chat kim and uh, i'm just gonna jump onto the unisa website now and see if i can sneak into medical school because it it sounds all right i mean i think you got to do six years and a, and a hell, hell of a lot of hard work but there's a bit of coin to be made i think absolutely thanks very much for listening to accounting insider and as kimbo said Visit the website accountinginsider.net. Thanks for listening. <laughs>